0: If you want to learn something new, would you rather learn it on your own, from a random teacher, or from folks who are the best of the best in that skill? I think I know which option most of you would choose. That's made possible by MasterClass. In recent months, they've added classes from the likes of Ava DuVernay, who gives us tips on how to reframe our thinking in all walks of life. One of our personal favorites recently was the one-on-one time we got with Amy Poehler in her class on preparing to be unprepared. So good. With Ava DuVernay. With over 180 world-class instructors and a 30-day money-back guarantee for new members, there's no reason not to get started today. And right now, our listeners will get an additional 15% off an annual membership at masterclass.com slash hard things. Get 15% off right now at masterclass.com slash hard things. Masterclass.com slash hard things.
1: Think about how delicately you hold your baby, you dress your baby, and you feed your baby.
0: We do that because they're adorable, of course, but also because their skin is delicate. Know this, there is only one diaper brand that we recommend to give you the gentle protective care your little one needs. And that's Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand.
1: Their Swaddler's Diaper absorbs wetness better versus the leading value brand and provides up to 100% leak proof skin protection to keep your baby's skin dry its match that's right so download the pampers club app today and earn pampers cash redeem your pampers cash for exclusive pampers coupon savings and rewards and through the joy Welcome pod squad to an unbelievably beautiful hour you are about to be changed by these two people individually and by their love together today we have Andrea Gibson and Megan Fally If you have not yet listened to episode 215, The Bravest Conversation We've Had with Andrea Gibson, please do go back and listen to that. In that episode, Andrea Gibson shared with us uh, a devastating diagnosis. They have a very important update to that diagnosis in today's episode. Andrea Gibson. A boulder-based queer activist, author and slam poet who has just been named Colorado's New Poet Laureate. y'all, I mean, Poet Laureate is essentially the state's arts ambassador. Serving as an active advocate for poetry, literacy, and literature, Andrew will be participating in readings at schools, libraries, festivals, other events across the state. It's just a huge, Freaking deal. Um, And I guess that makes Megan the the first lady of Colorado now. Andrea is the author of seven books. Most recently, You Better Be Lightning. Megan Fowley is a nationally ranked slam poet and the author of three full length collections of poetry. Most recently, her book, Drive Here and Devastate Me. Since transitioning to writing prose, excerpts from her memoir in progress have won several first and second place national prizes. She runs an online writing workshop called Poems That Don't Suck, which has been heralded as a degree's worth of education in five short weeks. Andrea and Megan. Hi, y'all. I feel kind of nervous, like we're actually on a date. Yeah, that's what Abby keeps saying this morning. She's like, I feel like we are actually going on a double date where we would actually be friends with these people. What did you say? She goes, what if they don't like us? Yeah. (laughs) What if they don't like
0: us? What if uh, I say something silly and dumb? (laughs) <laughs> Which is likely. That's usually my role. So oh, I, I
2: occupy that corner of the internet. So me too. You me are too. off the hook, my friend.
0: <laughs> oh my gosh. Um,
1: recently, so I, my job is to follow Abby around and correct everything that she says that's not politically correct, even Jesus. if we're just by ourselves in the living room. So I'm a good time. But the other day, she said something, and I said, We don't say that anymore. And she said, She said, I'm, I'm sorry, it's just really hard to teach an old dog new tricks. And I said, we don't say that anymore. That's offensive <laughs> to old dogs. And she goes, oh, my God, I am so sorry. Of course it is. One
2: of our first arguments um, was when I called my dog, my senior dog, geriatric. And Andrea, we learned the term is actually super adult. Uh, so <gasps> don't worry, Abby. <laughs>
3: Yeah, I we wrote one. a poem about it together that we performed on stage. I I don't know why I thought geriatric was a problem. I I don't know if it is, but it's your internalized ageism. Maybe uh, maybe you're right. <laughs> See this she I have the same thing, Abby. You know, and uh, and the other thing that happens with me is I don't know many words, so Meg mm. follows me around the house trying to teach me words you know. Oh, that
1: also sounds fun for you. I mean, you.
3: <laughs> how is that even possible? You're a poet. When I did I my, don't believe
0: that. I don't believe I mean, that for a true. second.
3: When I published my first book, uh, the publisher uh, wrote me right before it was going to print and he said, "Andrea, I want you to know that every poem in this book has the same words in it just rearranged in a different <laughs> order." And I said, "Well, that's because those are the only words I know, Derek." <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's amazing. So, you two, this is going to be interesting because I know everything <laughs> about you two Because, of course, I was prescribed Andrea's poetry by my actual doctor. And then, in preparation for this, I had not read Megan before. I cannot believe how beautiful your work is. Last week I went um, out onto my little deck and started reading your books, all of them. I had three of them and I came back in what, like seven hours later and I was so sunburned. (laughs) Do you remember that?
0: I mean, we literally went on vacation all last week and she was like, everybody put their sunscreen on. And then we come home for one day and she comes in like a fresh Megan,
1: it's just so freaking good. You are so good. You too. I mean, my God. First of all, talk to us about how you met. So you, Megan, posted something on Facebook in 2011 that said... I'm really fucking excited for Andrea Gibson, okay? Which meant that you were going to what? Take us back to then.
2: It was a show that I was going to see of Andrea's, yeah, that I had been taken part in um, raising organizing. or organizing. Um, oh. And so that was, yeah, it was a little bit of my promo. But uh, I, at the time, like when I approached Andrea to do it, felt very uh, like this was completely platonic. What I was saying, I was just excited for the poetry at the time, but in retrospect,
0: um, I like looking at that.
3: <laughs> <I>
0: <laughs> can- <laughs> yes! Okay. Andrea, when did you figure out that there was something going on between maybe Megan and you, how
3: did it all work? What was the deal? So Meg and I, we were both in the poetry scene. So we had been friends for years and we were doing weird stuff together. We were, we would, if I was on tour and she was living in New York, I would come to her house and we would do dance routines and make up parody songs and stuff like that. But I think that I... As you do. I, I had the huts for Meg long before she had any friends for me.
4: Yeah. Like no way. <clears throat>
3: And I think that it was sort of unexpected. I typically were... um how do I put this? I typically was attracted to women who were older than me or, or much mm. older than me. I was attracted to super adults. I still find super adults very beautiful. Um, but I had never been attracted to somebody this much younger than me. I mean, I'm how old am I? 48. I'm at the age where Meg has to tell me how old I am. <laughs> right. I get it. And Meg, is, and Meg is 35. And so, yeah, it was surprising. Surprising to me, and do you want to take over from here?
2: It, too, was surprising to me. Mm. Uh, We'd been friends for a long time, and then uh, we were on a dance floor in Oakland after the National Poetry Slam, Uh, and I'm dancing with Andrea, who... You you can't really dance with Andrea so much as, like... It's like a firefly experience, (laughs) like creatures dancing around each other. There's no, like... You can't, like, touch it or something. There's some kind of... (laughs) Horse fields happening. It's great. I love it. Um but so yes, we're fireflying around each other on the <laughs> dance floor when so and good. I I'm very enthusiastic in my dancing, which is a euphemism for I sweat a lot. And oh. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Andrea so suddenly runs their hands down my sweat-slicked arms and then licks the <gasps> palm of their hands. Um, that is a move. It was.
3: Yes, it was.
2: It was one of a kind. It was Holy one of a kind. Shit, oh, and I've shouted, never heard of this move. No, no, I don't think it's been done. Um, <laughs> and and then, never no, to be done again. <laughs> they shouted above the crowd, the last person I was with that was this sweaty I was having sex with, and then licking their hands. So yes. I thought, huh, I think something's happening. <laughs>
3: Well, this is not a move I had tried before, nor was it a move I had thought about the second before I did it. It just happened. And then uh she for some reason followed me back to the hotel because the move worked. Um, That's right. Yeah, it did. The next day I woke up with um what I would later find out was Giardia. And um I was Are you doing- serious? So listen, I was doing a live reddit uh interview and my friend was having to type from the living room while i sat on the toilet and hollered oh. the answers to her and <laughs> i kept saying to my friend i kept saying megan gave me Jardia," and my friend kept saying uh nope i think you got giardia from licking the length of your hands in a <laughs> nightclub
0: <laughs> yes That's probably right.
2: She was a good friend. And she was actually the one I told. I was like, this really weird thing happened with Andrea. Like, I told her right away. And she's like, "Uh, I'm not surprised. Andrea's had a crush on you for two years or something. I was like, (gasps) what? (laughs) It was not in my field of consciousness that that would have occurred. And then my life changed.
3: She didn't, yeah. she didn't know a super adult would uh, have the huts for her, I guess. Right.
1: Yeah. Now we know why and you, you time- were sensitive about that word. We yeah. understand now it's full circle. <laughs> so you
0: were like in your mid to mid to early 20s, Megan, and at the time?
2: I was 27 and Andrew was 27, okay. I think something yeah. like that.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I am amazed by that move. I'm just going to say it.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Never. Have I ever done that? You've met your match, Abby Wambach.
3: You and have wow, met your match.
0: <laughs> I mean, wow. Yeah, I feel impressive. like the
2: listeners should maybe not try that at home because <laughs> I I can't think of another person who would have done that that I would have allowed this to move forward. That
0: <laughs>
3: that's right. It that's it right. might
2: be special to Andrea to pull pull that one off.
3: I was reading the room of you. <laughs> oh.
1: Yeah, But isn't it, don't you, because there was some poem or post or now I don't even know what it was, but you were saying you mark that as the beginning of your relationship. And it's like an anniversary the night that you licked the sweat off of Megan.
2: Yes. I have the longitude and the latitude of the club tattooed on my arms. Okay. So it wasn't
1: an original idea. I told you it was Megan's idea. I know. (laughs) Okay. I told Abby I wanted us to get that recently. Um, So we're already copying you. But I told you that was Megan's idea, right? Did I try to pass this off, that off as mine? <laughs> no. You, oh, good. You told me it was it was yeah. their idea. For sure. Okay. So you know you have the hots for each other. You know it's like very much working out physically. But when do you start talking about, is this real? Are we having this? Are we going to make this a lifetime romantic friendship? What are the conversations like?
3: Well, I'd already decided it was a lifetime romantic <laughs> situation. I had just planned to uh, be celibate and single for a year right before that happened. And so I told her that. And we actually didn't really touch until I didn't make it a year. I made it 11 months. And 11 months later, um, do you remember the details in between 11 months later, what, what, what am I forgetting? It,
2: well, one night, Andrea whispered, I came to visit and like slept in Andrea's bed, but we didn't touch. And they whispered, I'm not going to kiss you till I'm 40. <laughs> and they were like two months away from being 40 or something. Um, so it was, it had a build up for sure.
3: And then when I finally asked her on a date, oh, yeah. I texted her, Would you like to go on a date sometime? And Meg responded, Sure. With who? With who? (laughs) (laughs) And I think, and she asked me the moment when I I fell in love with her, and I think that was it, when she wrote back, with who? And (laughs) I thought, this person's funny.
1: Uh Uh-oh, I love her. Mm -hmm. Uh Uh-oh, I love her. This person's funny. Uh Uh-oh, I love her. Mm -hmm. What was Mm -hmm. the story about the Lana Del Rey concert?
2: So that was the date. Um, I was a big Lana Del Rey fan. I wrote um, a little collection of poems about her uh, and Andrea knew this. And so asked me if I would want to come to Colorado because I lived in New York at the time and go see her at Red Rocks. And if you don't know, that's the most incredible music venue in the world. So it I really is. was very excited for that date with that person
3: we had front row seats. Yeah. Yeah, it was.
2: Special. uh And then the morning of the concert, we wake up and I, I wake up like so early and excited. And I check my phone to see, OK, like, what time does it start? How far is it away or whatever? And it's May 13th. And I see that the concert was on May 12th. And I was like, wait, was there two nights? And then, no, there were not two nights. So we'd missed the date. No. <laughs> but... I sometimes I wonder, like, I messed it up. (laughs) Sometimes I wonder, we ended up having such a good night, like Andrew was so worried, I'd be so disappointed and stuff. And we had such a beautiful night. I think I just complimented you for like 10 hours. And um, yeah, which
1: is my ideal date. (laughs) (laughs) So listen to this. This is what Megan wrote about that night. I woke up Christmas morning excited, checking her site for the details, Lana, only to realize the concert was the day before. You thought I'd be so sad, but I spent the evening falling, Never Look Back in Love With You. That was eight years ago today. Best concert I never went to. So much music. Fuck! That's not even a poem of hers. That's a fucking Instagram. (laughs) She burps this stuff. I swear to God. What you were
3: saying about her writing earlier- I think that she is maybe the most talented writer I've ever known in my life. And it is so easy for her. I could pull my hair out watching her. (laughs) It's just so easy for her. I do not have that relationship
1: with writing at all. Well, and you only know so few words and she she knows so many.
3: Because if I'm reading and I get to a word I don't know in a book, I think, why on earth did this writer put this word in here? Like, this is ridiculous. I'm not going to the dictionary. (laughs) I skip it and I move on. (laughs) I like that. So look how much
2: you can, success you can have as a writer with knowing so few words yeah. and reading so little.
1: <laughs> really? Are you not a big reader, Andrea? You
3: know, I used to read constantly all the time. And then I went through a period with uh, Lyme disease where it was difficult with my vision to read. And then so I stopped reading for a while. Now I listen to a lot of audiobooks and stuff like that. I read poetry, but mm-hmm. I rarely read these days. And I and it's even been, it's been much different since my diagnosis too. I describe it to Meg as like, I just don't want to spend my time looking down. <laughs> I just want uh, to spend my time looking, looking out at the world.
0: That makes a lot of sense.
4: Quick math, the less your business spends on operations in multiple systems, the more margin you have and the more of your hard-earned money you get to keep. But with higher expenses than ever on things like materials and distribution, everything just costs more. That's why smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth.
1: Head to netsuite.com dot com slash hard things. netsuite.com dot com slash hard things. That's netsuite.com dot com slash hard things. Is Megan the one that told you your diagnosis, or no? Yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, I, I didn't diagnose cancer (laughs) trying to figure out what diagnosis we're talking about. here.
3: (laughs) I have a whole collection. I get it.
1: Um
2: (laughs) We decided beforehand because Andrea would still be under anesthesia when we found out what it was. And we decided beforehand that I would tell Andrea.
3: Yeah. Mm. Um. And so I woke up and it was my mom (laughs) and Meg beside the bed. And Meg has all of these no, saw so much that I didn't like. She was there watching my parents' reaction, all of this stuff that I had no idea about. Actually, until I started reading the memoir that she's been writing, and so I woke up and Meg told me, and um, and she knew exactly how to say it, and I just felt okay.
1: Hmm. Yeah. How are you doing, Meg? Lately, how are you handling everything?
2: And do you want to tell them? Your
3: news? Oh yeah, I can give mm-hmm. you an update on my health and then would that be Please. helpful first? Um sure. and then yeah. So I think the last time I spoke with y'all, we went in to the doctor. They said that it at this point it's considered incurable and they could offer me some drugs that had just come out of trials or were in trials that could uh potentially prolong my life. The problem was that they had very little chance of me responding to them. And they came with like a slew of side effects, scary ones. Um and so uh I we I didn't do anything. I was like, I'm not going to because I was feeling so good, you know, physically so good. I know if I wouldn't have known I had cancer and I didn't want to go back on drugs. So it took me a couple of months. I did some alternative treatments, and it took me a couple of months to figure out what I wanted to do. And I was just trying to be patient with it and not be so terrified of the cancer that I just jumped on something. I had friends doing tons of research and looking into things. We got this um, tumor test back that said that I was a really good candidate for the um, drug that I really didn't want to do. And I really Mm. didn't want to do it because its primary side effect was that it, it can take a lot of your vision. Uh, people describe it as um, if you completely fog up your glasses and you look that look out mm-hmm. through your glasses, that's sort of what it can be like and it it can be permanent. Like even if they take you off the treatment, it can it can stay. Um, they said they couldn't guarantee that it wasn't. But ultimately that was what was holding me back. And then one day I realized that I had to uh, sort of check my own ableism because I had had this idea in my my head that if I couldn't see, then my life wouldn't be worth living. And then I started thinking about folks who years ago um, started asking me to put uh, image descriptions on my photos online. If people don't know, you can you can do that in the background of all of social media, uh, which I've been doing ever since. And I started thinking about those folks and and I'm like, I'm not going to not opt for an option that might prolong my life because I might not be able to see like millions of people have beautiful, beautiful, full lives and can't see. Um, And so I went on the drug um, after I had that realization. And the first treatment, we didn't quite know what it was doing. And then... um, Three weeks ago, we went in uh, and got the results of my second infusion. And this drug is like a chemo, um, but it's different. It doesn't go in and take everything in your uh, fight, every fast-growing cell in your body. It directly targets folate receptors in the body, and they're in the eyes. That's why it impacts your eyes. Um, but we went in uh, three weeks ago, and we found out that my cancer marker after the second treatment had dropped Um all the way down to the number it typically is when there is no evidence of disease in my body. And that was after the second treatment. I could feel the tumor on on my rib, on my liver. I could feel that it was no longer there. Like I had been talking about it a lot. And Meg and I, we couldn't believe it. Um, And I go in tomorrow for another infusion. And we could go in tomorrow and they could say, okay, it's growing again. This treatment isn't working. But as of right now, the last information that we got was that my cancer marker is way, way down. And I can I can feel it phys- physically that this tumor is no longer here. So that's where we're at with that. And that drug had, what did it, they say? It had just come out of trials um, a couple months before, and it had like a 30% chance of me showing any response at all. So that's where we're at. It's part of our (laughs) happiness today.
1: (gasps) Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Okay. How are you, Megan? (laughs) (laughs)
2: Um, You know, that that day I actually pulled over to the side of the road, got out of the car, and jumped for joy. And I don't Mm. think that I'd ever... Physically, I've heard that term before, jumping for joy. I don't know that uh, I'd ever actually seen it in action, but that's what happened. Um, But I think even more than that, what's true is the last, and Andrea talked about this before with y'all, but I can corroborate the story, is that the last two years have been some of the happiest years of, I mean, definitely our relationship um, and lives. The night before, or maybe two nights before, uh, Andrea's second surgery after the first recurrence, I bought a convertible because a a while ago um, because when Andrea was sick, it was like a way to be out in the world when we couldn't really be out in the world. Um, Hmm. And we were driving at night and somehow, you know, Shania Twain's still the one comes on and we're like full blast singing it to each other, just... In the streets of Colorado, like ignoring any mm-hmm. onlookers, complete. I would say Andrea is the most earnest singer because it's like real <laughs> eye contact and it, it's oh, coming no. from the soul. Yeah, yeah. Exa- <laughs> exactly, Glenn. And it's it's a mix of so, yeah. I guess it's like the arm <laughs> lick. You're like, who can get away with this but you? Um, but it was just so completely earnest, and we were having so much fun, and it's been you know we've had so many dance parties and so much so much access to joy, and way more than we had before all of this this so that's not to say like you know when the doc we had the day where the indoc doctor said it was incurable, and I'm you know weeping and can't speak in the office, but that night we're dancing, and I think mm. this is less maybe a skill of mine and more of a like a genetic anomaly, but I really don't worry. Um, I wanted to ask
1: you about that (laughs) because that feels aggressive and ridiculous. And what is that like? And what is it like to be a person who doesn't worry with Andrea?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Opposites attract. Um, And and I think though you do worry a lot less now, um, Mm. I think I, it might be an ADHD thing. I don't know, but I really am dealing with whatever's in front of me at the time. So when, as Andrea said, they were feeling really well, when that's happening, why would I exist in a moment that's worse? I don't know. It it just, I, I think I'm probably lucky. Like I want to say like, I worked really hard to get here, but that's just how my psychology works. And I wish it was a gift I could give to other people because it Mm -hmm. seems easier,
0: (laughs) Okay, I have a question yeah. because I think this is interesting. When I met Glennon, I would have considered myself, at least when I got sober, I would consider myself somebody who just does I'm not a big worry ward. Like, that's not what I do. I fixed very, that. Very fixed much that like later. you. <laughs> and Glennon is on the opposite side. So, of course, we attracted each other. And now that Glennon is in therapy and is starting to release and see and surrender control, Her anxiety and worry is lessening. I don't want to mischaracterize this. It's lessening. And so I am starting this interesting balancing act. I've started to think more proactively more about the totality of our ecosystem because I know deep down that she isn't doing it like she used to. Like, she's like the protector. She's the one who's going to worry for us. So I wonder if that dynamic is anyway any way similar for you two.
3: I think that Meg has never worried. I mean, I used to think, what is the species of person? You know, it is so just awesome. so odd. And at times I found it rude. <laughs> it's I reckless. found it problematic. I found it dangerous. I and until I had the experience of letting go of control and surrendering to this whole experience of cancer and then realizing, wow, like life is so much more doable. And not only that, but what you're talking about, Abby, I feel like I have far more access to actually showing up to you know the fact that the planet is burning and and that sort of ah. stuff while I'm not worrying, I think that we think that worrying is what will help, but that wasn't the case for me. I think that maybe it is for some people, but yeah,
1: Meg, so if you're only focused on what's in front of you, okay, so that works well if the thing in front of you is good
2: mm-hmm.
1: What about when the thing in front of you is bad like you got good news. This is good news. Yeah. And I don't want to gloss
0: over the ridiculousness of the, I'm so happy for you. So
1: both before, when you get terrible news, are you also only surrendered to what's in front of you in the terribleness? Because hope is kind of like worry, but the opposite. It's jumping ahead to like the next thing. So do you do that when What's in front of you is terrible? Or is your strategy, I'm going to be completely surrendered to what's in front of me, whether it's positive or negative?
2: That's a great question. I don't know if you have a better lens on me than I would in that way. I I do think I lean hopeful, but that doesn't mean, you know, when I'm in the office and the oncologist is saying that thing in my brain, I'm not saying that's not true. You know, Mm. I'm accepting Mm. what she's saying and having my emotional response to it. And then I think a, maybe a bit later in the day or the week or something is when I'm saying like look at us now and we're dancing and we're so in love. So mm. yeah. Hmm. I I guess I hold the hope more than than other things but I I don't feel like it's coming from a place of utter denial. I also yeah. Andrea to me is the most miraculous person I've ever known. Like, I feel like timing and miracles and stuff just happen around them and because of them. And Mm. I was thinking the other day about how when the doctor said it was physically impossible to run a four minute mile, like there were just like physicians, you know, said there's no way your heart would explode. And then somebody did it. And Mm -hmm. then tons of people did it because it happened for the first time. So I think my perspective in all of this is to keep putting ourselves in the way of miracles, um, and that if they happen to anyone, it's certainly Andrea. <laughs> so I guess I do lean hopeful, but the worry thing never worked for me. It just, mm-hmm. just shat on whatever moment I was in. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. yeah, it's never worked for any of us, but that doesn't that doesn't keep most of us from persevering. <laughs> I think that that's
4: wonderful. (laughs) Pod squad, we know about you. You, like us, pamper your pups with clothes, fluffy beds, toys all the days, any little thing their goodest hearts desires. Why then would we settle for burnt smelly pellets in their dog dishes? Maybe you don't maybe you go with the farmer's dog like I do for Seamus and you reap the benefits of giving your dog real, fresh, healthy food. It looks like real food because it is real food. It's made with human-grade kitchens with the same gentle cooking you'd use if you were preparing meals for your family. It's even fun signing up. You answer questions about your dog like, what health issues they might have, how old they are, what breed and personality they have, and more. You're not only getting fresh pre-portioned food, you're getting fresh pre-portioned food for your specific dog. And your dog may just have a newfound respect for their human too. Get 50% off your first box of fresh, healthy food at www.thefarmersdog.com slash hard things food made in human-grade kitchens with the same gentle cooking you'd use if you were preparing meals for your family, maybe more. Get 50% off your first box of fresh, healthy food at www.thefarmersdog.com slash hard things.
1: Do you feel surrendered to hope right now or do you feel scared of hope? is there part any part that braces for the the hope not being real do you feel scared of it or are you fully embracing it
2: i know a lot of people are terrified of hope because they feel like it can be a letdown um i've heard that a lot like it, it's further to fall or something and for me i i don't have that experience because hope makes the present more beautiful and so i think when we're worrying we're sort of preparing ourselves to handle a future emotion. And when I'm just remaining hopeful, I'm in control of the emotion that I have right, right now.
1: Mm -hmm. It's good. Mm. You're so sane. (laughs) What um, was your conversation when you left that freaking doctor's office with the markers being so low? Like what do you two say to each other? Yeah. On the car ride home.
3: uh, We were probably trying to find a a minute to talk because my best friend was in the back seat (laughs) screaming um, about how wrong the doctor was. Uh, And the conversation, I, I don't know if I said this out loud to you, Meg, but it was the very first time that I had the thought since the two years since I had been diagnosed, it was the very first time that I had the thought, hmm, I might live. (laughs) <laughs> and, I, and I don't know why I had that thought. I said, I don't, I don't know how I know that it's like, I don't know what it is. 1% chance, but I felt into that 1% chance. Um, and then our conversation uh, I was largely about it being in my hands now. Like I had given my power away in in regards to my choices. And I knew from that point on, it was my choice to make and, um in our collective choice to make. Like I, I would make those choices with my friends, inclu- including my screaming best friend in the back seat. <laughs> we walked out of the hospital. We immediately we were over in the coffee shop. There was <laughs> immediately got coffee or tea. Immediately <laughs> got tea. It was I think I may have written you about this, Glennon. Like, yes. <laughs> we're in the we're in line at Starbucks, and uh this man and I both asked for the bathroom key at the same time or the bathroom code. And then we looked at each other and we literally sprinted in a race to see who would beat each other. And then we both get there at the bathroom (laughs) and we're just falling over ourselves laughing. And and it's one of those moments where I'm like, I'm laughing. Like, I cannot tell you the amount of times in these last two years that I've just, I'm laughing. And how Mm. am I laughing right now? Like, how am I laughing right now? So I, I remember, uh, right after your first surgery, Andrea
2: would actually, laughing became very physically painful because they had mm. scars and organs and stuff removed. And the amount of times Andrea was saying, ow, stop, because we were laughing so much. It was like mm. uh, such a gift for the surgery because it was almost like this alarm of, hey, you're having joy right now. You're having joy right now. Mm. And no the way. that's pain oof. was in a way like a constant reminder of
3: joy. And she brutalizes me with her, <laughs> with her humor. Like I can't have a cold around her. I can't have a stomach ache. I can't do the surgery and be around this person because she makes me laugh so much that I get so mad because it's so painful and I can't, I can't stop laughing. It's harmful. It's, it's dangerous <laughs> and harmful. Oh, <laughs> cancel me. Good. I'm going to cancel her because of her harmful. It's awful. And so I told her, if I ever get COVID, she's, I had previously wanted her to stay and get COVID with me, but Uh now she's gone. She's kicked out of the house.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Fair. (laughs) You laugh in the midst of all of it. Your love story is otherworldly. It's so beautiful. Do you fight like normal people, even in the midst of all of this drama and trauma, or is that something that goes away? Like, it doesn't matter.
2: Well, we used to fight before this, like abnormal people. Um, okay, we used to fight a ton. Um, oh, yeah, there's poems Andrea's about that. Andrew's diagnosis. Yeah, mm-hmm. we celebrated fighting in a way, yeah. or, or we found a way to in writing and stuff. But I, it went away. I mean, of course, everyone's going to have some stuff, but it, the amount that any arguments, all the pettiness, just really reduced so much. And I think what largely happened was our appreciation for each other um, kicked into high gear with the diagnosis.
3: What would you say? I would say that we used to argue a lot. I mean, uh, especially when we were going through the time of the pandemic and we were both home alone and with each other almost 24 hours a day. Mm -hmm. And then after the diagnosis, it was, I try, I try to explain this, but it was almost as if I was seeing Meg as if she were a new person. And I had heard this thing years ago. Um, Oh, I think I learned it in college of our greatest human desire is to be known. But there was something about right when I was diagnosed where I realized that the best way to know somebody is to unknow them, to Mm. see them as a mystery, to not expect the same patterns. And what's really beautiful about that is Mm -hmm. as soon as you stop expecting the same patterns, Um, that energy almost creates this world in which the person no longer does the thing anymore or has more of a capacity to not do it. Um, But I remember just being overwhelmed with just watching Meg walk through the house and thinking, who is this person? Like, who is this mystery walking around in here. And I had years ago heard a poem by Mary Oliver talking about her partner at the time. And it was called The Whistler. And I think they had been together for decades. And then one day Mary walks downstairs and hears Molly whistling. And and she had never heard her whistle before. It's such a beautiful poem. It just talks about how you know, there is is so much to uncover in a person. Even decades later, we we only know a fraction of them. And I feel like there was something about that energy of just feeling like you were new. But the other thing is, is Mm. we both grew so quickly in such a short amount of time. And I've seen friends who, you know, one person is growing and the other person isn't, and the relationship sort of falls apart. And I think that we both grew in the exact same moment. And- Mm. And we're growing, have been growing since. And so that has, I think that's a lot of what has kept our love feeling very vibrant.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm.
3: Do you have certain
0: conflict styles? What would you say each each of your conflict styles is? For sure. Well, I'm always right. so
1: See, that's hard.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm always right and perfect. And then thus, when somebody has a problem with me, I have to tell them why. They're wrong,
1: right? You're are, you're like a lawyer, and you prepare your case for yourself instead of trying to actually fi- fix the conflict. Because that's what I've learned that yeah. that's actually not conflict.
2: Lawyer sounds like you have to
1: prepare. This is just logic. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> wow! You just did it to me, so I get it.
5: <laughs> um,
2: yeah, and I, Andrea, you in the past have been like much better at expressing the full spectrum of your emotions and stuff mm. and i i go right to like the brain heady yeah. experience
3: The other difference is Meg has this thing that she calls going to the basement, or we learn to define it as going to the basement. And so I always think of conflict as um, this is what we're doing for intimacy. Like if we're going to, if we're going to do this so we can be closer, so we can understand each other. And I think when Meg and I got together, she had this idea that if you're in a very healthy relationship, um, you never argue, you never Mm. have anything to process. And I don't do the same thing now, but for a lot of years, I could think of no better way to spend my day than to spend (laughs) three hours processing one tiny thing until she fully understood how I was actually right
1: about everything. (laughs) It's It's like, it is not enough for me to understand you. I want to overstand you. Yes. (laughs) Yes.
3: And Meg, talk about your opposite inclination. Well, you've actually
2: always said I'm it's almost like I'm a husband in this way. Like, I, you know, I'm kind of like, let's put on the TV and like kick back. (laughs) And this is fine. (laughs) Uh, um, Yeah. the emotional. I've gotten better at it and you've gotten Mm -hmm. better, I think, at relaxing a bit, too. But Mm -hmm. Andrea actually helped me learn. By prefacing some of our arguments with "I'm bringing this up because I want to be closer at the end of it," and That's that bad. really that. opened me up to
0: um, the whole talking thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's, good. <laughs> it's good. Andrea knew what your kind of your attachment style was, and Glennon's attachment, her ability at the beginning of our relationship to show up in a conflict and say to me, "I'm not going to leave you." I just really need to talk about this thing that's happening and it's really important to me, but I'm not, cause I was just afraid, huge fear of being left. It's very cool that they were able to do that for you, Megan, to, to get you onto the side of this processing lesbianism that we <laughs> love.
2: Uh, oh, and you too, like the gorgeousness of it, having a, a safe container of like, yeah. Yeah. Removing that thorn of potential abandonment where only your defenses are going to go up then totally Mm -hmm. i think that's a good takeaway for anyone
1: yeah
0: glenn and i fought a lot in the early days and like the first two years it was like throttle on and we were just like in a total power battle Mm -hmm. and then
1: i don't know what happened We just went dead inside (laughs) i just think it
0: stopped we were just like oh you're not going anywhere (laughs) i'm not going anywhere we're just going to talk.
1: I think we were trying to through. change each other. Yeah. I think we were trying to change each other for two years. Yeah. And then we both stood strong.
0: We did. Good job. And then we gave up. And then <laughs> and then we're like, okay, we're going to let you be you. Yeah, and I guess. We're
3: going to let
1: you be yeah. you. We surrendered.
3: Good for there's us. A, there's a song like that, but I, I thought we thought it was happy at first. Why don't you be you and I'll be me? I don't know. We thought it was happy, but then we realized it was a breakup song.
1: Oh. (laughs) Wait, what song is that? I'm hearing it in my head. James
3: Bay. Yeah, it's good. I love that song.
1: Oh, God, that song is so sad. It'll just crush you. Single-handedly impacting our environment for the better, that's a daunting task. But it's possible, and there are incredible people who are living proof that setting your mind to something and really being passionate about it will bring about change. The Goldman Environmental Prize is the world's foremost award honoring grassroots environmental activists. Each year, the prize honors six ordinary people who are making an extraordinary impact for the planet. If you look at this year's winners, you'll learn about Marcel Gomez, who exposed the links between a company's meatpacking practices and illegal deforestation, which led to a major boycott of that company's products. Amazing. You'll learn about Andrea Vidaure, whose relentless leadership resulted in California adopting its most ambitious emissions reduction regulations in history. And there are more amazing stories to discover I can't imagine stories more important than these. Find the stories of this year's prize winners at goldmanprize.org. What do you feel like you have learned? Like, what do you know that you didn't know before?
0: Oh, geez. This, this is whole
1: a good. journey, the cancer, all of it. What do you know now that you will take with you that you would never have known had this not have happened?
3: Uh, oh, my goodness. <laughs> I'm right now trying to write a book about it because it's it's so, so much. Mm-hmm. I'll say a few things. The first thing that I learned was that I had, I had so much self-dislike and self-hate that I wasn't conscious of. I never would have thought of myself as somebody who really disliked themselves. I I thought that I had quite a bit of confidence. Um, After the diagnosis, where I started to have insights into things, and I I had a genuine experience of self love, and I could feel it in how I interacted with the world and everyone I encountered, I realized that loving myself was the same as loving every living being um, in the world at the same time. And so that also brought me this insight into. Uh, the fact, I mean, it's a bumper sticker that is cringy for some people. We are all one, but I could really viscerally feel the the lack of separation between us and that we are mm. sort of just all moving energies um, through each other. I think that's the first one. The second one was that I had had this idea that challenges weren't supposed to happen in my life, that if something hard happened, then it wasn't supposed to be there. And Mm -hmm. I started thinking about nature and how, you know, if lightning strikes a tree down and a squirrel loses her nest, um, they're not raging against the situation. They're just creating with what is there. And, oh, and this other thing that I do, I started doing this pretty um, soon after my diagnosis, where um, I started thinking about, in regards to challenges, I read this thing, Uh, That said that, um, that there's this Celtic belief that we choose the challenges in our lives before we were born. And I've also heard people who have had near death experiences say that they were shown that when they were in this other realm. And I started true or not if the idea helps you take it and it definitely Mm -hmm. helped me. And I started interacting with everything that came my way as if I had chosen it before I was born. So I could interact with it with curiosity instead of uh, just stories about it um, being unfair. And uh, there's just, there's, there's so much. I mean, I, I could talk forever on, on what had changed, but I would say at the core of it was a sense of self-love that I had I'd never known existed. And I just didn't know how um, shame was the lens through which I was seeing much of the world, much of my life and the people around me. Also, almost like I was circling back into my wounds and my psyche to and to look through those wounds before I looked out at the world to decide mm. what how I was seeing something out there. Mm. And um, now it almost feels like an experience of being life looking out at life and Mm. wanting to whatever parts are Andrea just in my best moments feeling them just completely fall away. I think I said something to you last night that was googling about Uh that. We're about to fall asleep and
2: we've been doing this thing where um we'll just be like loving glances and we'll just like look at each other in the eyes and and silence. Like how you would look at your dog basically. And it's really Really nice. We we've invented oh. a new love language, I think. Loving glance. Um, loving glances. glances. Yeah. But I, I did it to Andrea, I said it to Andrea yesterday, and Andrea goes, Okay, now drop away all of your humanness and look at me directly from your soul. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, what the fuck? <laughs>
4: And this I love that, it though. Yeah, Listen, so I think good. what
0: they're talking about and the book that you're writing, Andrea, is I'm so excited Me to too. read it because what you're talking about is something that I've been complicating myself and not to the degree that you have, but with extreme sports and having to push your body. Like you have to make mm-hmm. up this whole different narrative to do hard shit. Yeah.
3: That's
0: what you're doing. And you're doing it in this beautiful, Energetic way, like what yeah. we need to figure out here, and because we're all down here, and the tree gets hit by fucking lightning and falls down, and your house is in there, and you're like, "I gotta rebuild my fucking house."
3: Yeah,
0: I can be pissed at the lightning the whole time I'm rebuilding this house, and or I can just be like, "All right, where's the wood?"
3: Yeah, yeah. absolutely, and I think that um, it, what you're talking about in regards to like athletics i i think both meg and i have encountered this in the last two years that there are ways that we're pushing ourselves physically like i'm i'm working with this one uh alternative doctor who is trying to educate my immune system and so i'm working out 3 times a day and then i'm also doing re- like cold plunges that i hate and i think that there is something and meg as well has been doing this stuff and i think that there is something about doing that kind of thing that actually then teaches your emotional self like to have resilience yeah? yes yes that's yeah. what's
1: happening for me with that fucking cold plunge because she always wants to do this stuff and i'm like no thank you to all the wellness i'm just trying to actually Like, do I have enough serotonin? I'm at level one. Okay. Mm -hmm. I don't need to be well. (laughs) But the cold plunge, it's because it teaches me how to stop freaking out and just breathe. Mm -hmm. And that's really what I need to do all day. So that's why I think it's helpful. I know, but Wait, scientifically, it's I,
0: also
1: the dopamine and, you know, know your, your body is like learning
0: how to fight for its, right. its life for those three minutes yeah. and a little bit yeah. after. And it's amazing.
1: Yeah. yeah. And it's also when Andrea hard. said to Megan, please just now drop yourself and look at me like you're a soul looking at a soul. That's what I mean when I say to you, I need it to be more care bear stare. <laughs> <laughs> I That's like I that mean.
2: phrasing way better.
1: The Care Bear stare, Care Bear you know, stare. when it's like you're mm-hmm. shooting rainbow love into my eyeballs. Like if I'm not seeing enough Care Bear stare, <laughs> that's what I mean. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to use like that term soul. for now on. That's going to work you. with me
2: as a okay. <laughs> 80s baby. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. What did you say to Andrea when Andrea said the thing about look at me with your soul? I think I said, what the fuck? Yeah, that's good. And then That's the only response.
2: And turned over and went to
3: bed. (laughs) (laughs) No, she didn't. No, she didn't. She tried to do it after she said that. She tried to do it and she did it in a way that, again, made me laugh so hard. I was in in pain. Oh, yeah.
2: I I think I flipped my hair and did it completely demonically. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: So good. (laughs) Okay. I have a, a few more things that we must get to in the next few minutes. Number one, I need to know what Megan... Has learned that she will take with her. I also wonder: Did you all bring a poem about each other? Oh yes, thank you. <laughs> and then, thirdly, <laughs> thirdly, um, will you come back, Megan, to talk about your work? Oh shit! Like, will you do? Uh, would I'll that be okay? Because th- yes, <laughs> like, I just have pages and pages of questions. Like, I just so many things I have to talk to you about. So would you just come back just and talk about your poems and your freaking, that your nonfiction, what are they called? Are they called essays? I forgot. I know. Essays, essays is
2: such a weird word, but I think that I know, is right? what they're called. that makes them okay. sound boring, but they're true stories, chapters, Yeah,
1: excerpts? true stories. I don't know. And drive here and devastate me and the witch, like all of it. I just, I want to talk about all of it. So you will. Okay. Yay. That's good. So now we can talk about the other two things, which is number one, what you have learned.
2: Thank you, And First of all, I'm very excited. And I, I do want to show you that you did send me that compliment on my writing on Instagram and it is absolutely my phone background. <laughs> 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 I wasn't going to be that dorky, but it's actually really inspiring me every day. So thank
1: you. Um, I thought you were going to show me that I had meant to send you a DM and I had posted it on Instagram because I've done that before. So I thought that's what you're about to show me. So I'm so happy. Right you now. did it right. OK, great. great.
2: Um, I, I've been, I think, blessed to be the main sort of benefactor of the trickle down theory of Andrea's wisdom and knowledge for the past two years. So everything that they said, I will Cosine as having impacted me as well, especially, uh, the idea that a situation happens and then there's an em- emotive prescription of how we're supposed to feel. So, mm. uh, that that's not true that you can get the cancer diagnosis and sing Shania Twain at the top of your lungs. That's definitely been a learning. Um, but I think the main thing that sort of Individual for me is when Andrea sort of got this news of like you have to really take care of your body now, and our bodies are just so temporary. And and one night uh, we were talking about I asked Andrea something like, "Is it hard to lose your hair, your eyebrows, whatever?" And Andrea said, "I just want to have a body. I don't care Mm. what it looks like." And Mm. I had spent my you know, since I was nine years old, hating my body um, mm-hmm. and feeling like I could hate it and shame it into some kind of submission, or just I certainly never thought of it as a temple. <laughs> uh, and something about Andrea then being throttled into this place where like taking care of your health is so crucial. And there were a lot of ways in which Andrea 13 years older than me, on chemo, post hysterectomy, with cancer and Lyme disease, all of this was actually healthier than me, more energy Mm -hmm. and everything. And um, I never expected what happened to happen, but I suddenly started to really love my body first and then take care of it subsequently. And I realized like, I had a theory that Shame and hating yourself were not the ways to uh, heal anything. But I think then I really learned it in real time, and that's been, yeah, a ride for sure.
1: Wow. Yeah. Um. Okay. So I asked if they would bring a poem that most that made them think the most about each other, or oh. most encapsulated the other.
3: Do you want this me to go just, first? I think you should go
2: first. Feels. Yours is Andrew's is so uh, profound and beautiful,
1: and quite a bit longer than mine. And mine's making fun of them. So okay. So so now we're going to see what the Shania Twain experience was. Okay, this it's is how we be... roll.
3: Uh, I am deep, and she makes fun of me, and, <laughs> and that's what is the glue that keeps us together. This was originally a fifteen minute. Poem. This is. Originally, a 15 minute poem. I'm hoping I got it down to four, which is still a bit longer, maybe three. We'll see. But it was one that I wrote after uh, my diagnosis. And people argue with the first line, but well, Butrin is used off label for um, ADHD. Mm. This is called Guardian Angelfish. <laughs> I'm nervous. Like the first time <laughs> on a mic, I'm nervous. <laughs> well, I'm, ner- I, I'm, I'm nervous because I know I'm going to cry. Mm. Well, butrin works wonders for her ADHD, but she calls me Well Gibson because I make her happy. I make her happy. Is there anything left to do in this life? I don't think so. Except maybe adopt a fourth dog, which we both know she will find because I pull over when I see a stray, but she pulls over, learns parkour, scales a building and pole vaults between rooftops, returning with another furry bundle, freckling her in fleas. She also follows me everywhere I go. I don't mind that it's only to put lids on everything I don't. What can I say? I'm an open person. So is she. She doesn't just see people at their best. She sees people at the best they haven't been yet, which is why she loved me long before I loved myself. Thank goodness I figured that out beating yourself up is never a fair fight those gloves fit no one right and she always deserved the me who didn't have to squint through bruised eyes to see her clearly and how could I not want to see her clearly as she pole dances on the tractor mows our lawn in a bikini rolls out a red carpet to escort the mice back to the pasture teaches spiders how to weave their webs outside and the ants Okay, the aunt, she slaughters with every weapon she can find, but I forgive her because she forgives everyone so easily. Watching her do it is like watching paint dry. There's nothing to see. Everything is just more colorful after this morning while I was trying to figure out what kind of fish everyone in our family would be, I asked her what she would be and she said very seriously, hold up, let me Google the sexiest fish. Oh wait, the most beautiful fish. Oh wait, there's an angelfish. I am the angelfish. I know there are more fish in the sea, very beautiful ones, but she's a catch I will never throw back because there is no one like her anywhere. She minds her own business, changes her mind as often as she needs to, and she never ever lies, which irritates me because she also edits my poems. Can't keep the look off her face when I use adverbs. How could I not write the word beautifully while she's sitting beside me, but beautifully doesn't bug her nearly as much as honestly, which I honestly begin half of my sentences with. And she's worried that suggests the other half of what I say is a lie. But here's what I figured out today. I am a liar. I lie all the time. The other day I said, we will all have to say goodbye sometime. That's not true. Saul Williams was right when he said only believers in death will die. I don't believe anything could take me away from her, nor would I want it to. But it wasn't always like this. There were many months we were more flammable than Instagrammable, but we were creative about it. Spent an entire summer arguing via badminton so we could drive the birdie of blame at each other's skulls. I was going to I was going to leave that out of this. But this isn't only for us. It's for everyone we can convince to not wait for a tragedy to stop calling it zero zero when it could so easily be called love, serving love. I had no idea how much would change when all that mattered became all that mattered. These days, our biggest arguments happen on our daily walks near the lake. I always want to walk back the same way, which she doesn't enjoy. I like to circle, she says. We can't agree because I, I want to do it all again. See it from another angle. The back of the coffee line where she didn't know me but told me I was ordering the wrong drink. The back of my hand where I first wrote her name so I could remember her birthday when we were still friends. The back of her arms where she tattooed the longitude and latitude of where we first danced, the birds flying backwards back to the cold just like her racing home from her lunch in the sun when I called to tell her what the doctor had spotted on the cat scan. When I call cancer the big C, She is the only one who knows, I mean, the big ocean where we met our own Titanic and didn't sink. She even managed to convince me it was a good idea for us to dress up as Jack and Rose on Halloween, though my baldness was in no position to pass up an opportunity to wear a wig. I was a bit nervous to play the part of the guy who dies. But I wasn't really Jack. I was Rose. And her heart was the door that opened so wide it tore off its hinges and kept me afloat even as I woke up from surgery and asked her what they found. Anyone who thinks poetry is frivolous has never needed someone to tell them something unspeakably hard, beautifully. My guardian angel, my guardian angelfish, you will never not be swimming beside me we will never not be swimming beside each other just like I will never be done writing this very long love poem for which this is only the prologue baby I've barely begun
1: just not make you want to oh pay attention like they do are you okay that was just i know okay
2: megan go ahead that's my personal favorite gross. if there's no bias or anything i just, <laughs> it's I just... Mean, you
0: don't know that titanic is my favorite movie <gasps> it is abby she was <laughs>
2: <laughs> abby, it's my favorite movie in the entire world. I saw
0: it three times in the theater. Oh my wow. God,
2: i get it. I cried <laughs> so much that the woman sitting behind me, I went with my mom. I mean, I was nine and she suggested that my mom take me out of the theater. And I turn around and go, no!
3: Uh-huh. <laughs> Holy shit. I've been reading about uh, how when you die, you meet these guys. Who knows if it's, who knows what's true after, but that you have guides that help you move through the afterlife and Two nights ago, I asked Meg um, who her guides would be, if she has any sense of who her guides are. And uh, what did you say?
2: At first, I said the Spice Girls. And Andrea sort of like rolled their eyes at me and they're like, no, come on, I'm serious. And I'm like, I'm serious. It's the Spice Girls and then the two people who died holding hands in the bed in the Titanic
3: and went down together. And then Andrea goes...
2: That's brilliant.
3: (laughs) Because it's
1: so her and those are
3: absolutely her guides.
1: Yeah. Uh, Megan, can we hear yours?
2: Absolutely. Um, Mine is uh, on the lighter side. (laughs) I've written a lot of love poems about Andrea. I think a whole section of this book is um, love poems. But this Mm -hmm. is about uh, one of two or three times that Andrea and I have been riding our tandem bike and Andrea peed their pants on the tandem bike so yes oh god i love this one the love of my life has pissed themselves upon our tandem bicycle exactly two times both while crossing a major intersection and leaving me to haul the clunky metal beast between my legs like a dying horse across the glaring traffic alone while they sit on the curb laughing like a stalled engine and a wet spot blooms on their tiny, perfect ass, all the while they're shouting, I'm having a panic attack! I'm having a panic attack! As if they were the one left for roadkill. (laughs) Earlier, we were debating the clock of love. How one's heart becomes a flat tire once someone has seen you for the lemon you are or no longer peels their eyes from their book when you undress. All day I've been thinking I'm a lousy poet, so I'm looking for the metaphor here. Is love a tandem bicycle? Both people with one destination in mind, but someone always a little ahead. I'd prefer to think of love as a sociable bike, side by side. But love is, more honestly, The swatch of urine on the pants, born from a blushing, a bliss, a surprise, sometimes uncomfortable, often embarrassing. But how, when it comes, you know you are going home. Oh,
1: God. Oh, my gosh. I mean, oh, my God, you two. Okay.
0: So good.
1: Andrew, you said you could talk about this forever. I just hope that both of you talk about this forever. It's all the world needs. That's all you have to do for the rest of your lives is just love each other and then fucking tell us about it because mm-hmm. there's nothing more beautiful than you two. Um, and the only reason I'm not panicking now is because I already got you to commit to another date. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So after this is you, over, babe. I
2: can pause it and then just ask you guys questions for an hour. Right, sure. what saying? Well okay. we can
1: do that, we can do another double date. <laughs> yeah. We'll get put it on the books. Oh for my sure. God.
2: Yeah. Please. I will say before we got on, because I read Untamed, but um in the last two days I've been listening, Abby, to all of your interviews because I wanted to know, I feel I knew you in the way that I knew Glennon through it writing and you Uh, at one point self-referenced what you were saying as boring. And I was like, who is this lunatic to think that any of this is boring? It was really beautiful.
1: Thank you.
0: That's really sweet.
1: I'm just so happy. I'm so happy. I'm so happy for you both. I'm so happy for the recent news. I'm so happy that no matter what, if it's terrible news, if it's happy news, if it's wherever you are, there's so much joy and beauty it's super rare the world yeah. the world needs to know more about you too and how you're living within this and we love you and had squad we will see you back here next time thank you
3: so Bye. much y'all thank you mm. i love you guys thank <laughs> we you. love you back
1: If this podcast means something to you, it would mean so much to us if you'd be willing to take 30 seconds to do these three things. First, can you please follow or subscribe to We Can Do Hard Things? Following the pod helps you because you'll never miss an episode and it helps us because you'll never miss an episode. To do this, just go to the We Can Do Hard Things show page on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, or wherever you listen to podcasts, and then just tap the plus sign in the upper right-hand corner or click on follow. This is the most important thing for the pod. While you're there, if you'd be willing to give us a five-star rating and review and share an episode you loved with a friend, we would be so grateful. We appreciate you very much. We Can Do Hard Things is produced in partnership with Cadence 13 Studios. I give you Tish Melton and Brandi Carlisle. I
5: walked through fire, I came out the other side. I chased desire, I made sure I got what's mine. I continue to believe